This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential on this Oscars Nominations Day. So many things happened. 11 nominations to Everything Everywhere All at Once, 9 for Banshees of Inisherin, no women directors, and Andrea Riseborough's Celebrity Friends made a campaign happen in a couple of weeks. We're going to get into all of that. I'm so thrilled to have both Ryan McQuaid and Eric Anderson of Awards Watch with me for their immediate reactions. Thank you so much, guys. Hello. That's the correct order, by the way, of saying things. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Keep, you boys are rowing. <laughs> keep rowing. <laughs> Well, I'm going to we're going to run through this. I want to hear how you've reacted to this morning. What I thought we'd do is we'd go through the nominees in the order that they were announced. I don't want to be rude, but I'm not going to do the shorts because there's so many new ones that I haven't seen. And I want to talk about them properly um, when we get to that. I hope that's okay with you guys. Wow, Christina hates short people. Good to know. (laughs) I'm short myself. The 94th Oscars. That's what she. (laughs) (laughs) No, but next time we I talk to you guys, we'll get into those properly. I'm going to get started. I'll read them. You guys give me your commentary. Best Supporting Actress was the first one given out. We had Angela Bassett for Black, Pan- uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow, The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu, yay, for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Those Eric? were the nominees. Yes. <laughs> yes they were. <laughs> Surprised? Uh, no, because I did go a little outside to predict uh, a Jamie Lee Curtis snub in favor of Dolly De Leon, uh, who clearly would have been sixth in this race, looking at the other nominations that Triangle of Sadness got. So this this was it. Was, this was the most common predicted five. Yeah, there. This one wasn't full of any surprises, other than the fact that we were. I know Eric was at least, and a lot of people were predicting that maybe one of those actors that usually misses the Oscar nomination after gaining all of the industry and critic uh, nominations usually misses. And we all kind of assume that might've been Jamie Lee Curtis. She might've been a little bit vulnerable, Um, but this was a a sign to come with everything everywhere all at once showing and flexing its muscles a little bit in landing both of these nominations in this category. Yeah. Four actors they have, right? That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Two movies have four acting nominations this year. It's amazing. And Angela Bassett, is this, am I correct in that this is the first um, actor nomination for a Marvel movie? Yes, that is correct. That must be a sign of things to come. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is a sign. I think it's a sign of a specific performance hitting at the right time, given the narrative around the film and its nature of existing. I think that. You know, they've tried many times before to get films nominated and they just didn't hit the right buttons or it didn't connect enough with voters. But this emotionally, I think enough uh, is able to to get over the finish line. Plus, also Bassett's uh, a very respected actress in her own field and has a very overdue narrative over the years of of that. She should have won her best actress for what's love got to do with it many, many years ago. So that 29 years of, ago. Yeah. So it hits right at the right points uh, and checks all the right boxes. 
Moving along to best costume design, we have Babylon, Black Panther, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which I wasn't counting on. But were there any surprises there for you? Everything yeah, everywhere. everything everywhere getting in was a big surprise. Yeah, that was a, that was a huge surprise. But again, it also showed the that this was a pl- the strength of it. It was in, in in everything, and we'll talk about the film's overall strength later. But it was it was that was one of those bubble nominations that it could get, and if it could get in here because it is modern costumes, that is the that's the thing that I, I think a lot of us were were sort of hung up on. It's like, well, you know, they don't usually go for costumes made in uh, this millennium, and so it's it was a, a shocking um, thing, but but a very happy one to see. Yeah, I, I think I think there were four that were pretty locked: Elvis, Black Panther, Babylon, and Mrs. Harris were pretty locked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the fifth. I had the Woman King. I think there were a lot of ways that could have gone. So this was a good one. But I and I think the costumes are incredible, and there's so many of them. You know, they just jump through time, and there's beautiful costumes, and there's sort of day to day costumes, and it really shows a range of different. Yeah, and sci-fi. I mean, there's yeah everything from her her vest at the laundromat to that gorgeous beaded gown. But it does time hop so much that you do get a lot of, of periods. Yeah, we should have thought of that. As well as sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, and, and especially also, I mean, everything within Stephanie Shue's wardrobe as well, too. I mean, that's I think the, that's the reason why this got it. Yeah, the iconic yeah. looks, the the even within just her her opening, right, where she walks into that Elvis Presley sort of outfit and, and is changing things left and right. Like, it is it is a showcase for costumes, for sure. Um, it was just about getting over the hump within within the voting body, and it surely did. Maybe it's just an overriding love for Elvis overall. That's true. Yeah. Maybe they just were like, "This is just a continue. This is like a, a like a spinoff." Yes, you know? just, just keep them coming. Um, Shirley Carada, she's she's the costume designer. What has she done before? I'm not particularly familiar with. No I'm one is. <laughs> no one is. I think that, but I think that this is. I think a lot I, of the people on everything everywhere. This is their first big anything. Yeah, and it, and it helps then going forward because then they're allowed to be a part of this club. So then, when when there are other films down the road, we can potentially think of them for a, for um, Oscar nomination consideration. So best sound. Um, this the first time we talk here about All Quiet on the Western Front, which would which is going to take eight as we move along. That's pretty good. The German Netflix hit. Um, we also have in sound Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. Well, this was where one, well, I can't speak today. This was one of the categories where I think people thought if everything everywhere all at once was going to overperform, this is a place where it could have landed. Obviously, it is a key nomination if you want to win Best Editing, at least seen over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And Top Gun Maverick getting in here, uh, obviously landing the editing nomination, kind of feels like maybe that's going to lean sort of that way, maybe a Ford v. Ferrari situation for it. But yes, the first spot for All Quiet on the Western Front, and uh, it and it kept on moving kept throughout on the rest moving. of the day. Yeah. Okay, music, we have a big snub for me, um, original score. There we are, again, Ooh. all quiet on the Western Front. We have Justin Hurwitz for Babylon, Carter Burwell for The Banshees of Nishirin, Son Lux for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, John Williams for The Fablemans, 
and no Hildur Gunnarsdottir for women talking, which I've listened to every day no since Pinocchio. I first saw it. No Pinocchio. Yeah. Oh. Those are, oh, those are big snubs. Big. That was a that was a shock to me because of how much the branch loves Alexander Desplat, and um, you know it, it, it. I I couldn't believe though that they. I mean, we kind of figured maybe all quiet, but everything everywhere all at once showing up here was again I think, right. The shocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was, and and we knew that Tar wouldn't get in because it wasn't eligible because it had too much original music, yeah. right? Yeah. But still, the the fact that Hilder's been so strong this year with both that one and and women talking, I was just convinced that absolutely this would she would be in here. Previous winner too, um, but it also just it's the continuance of that movie underperforming in places that it should have performed way better throughout the entire season. But we'll talk about that later. And I am I like the only one that didn't like the weird techno piano note in all quiet on the western front <laughs> i i thought it was pretty cool but maybe liked it. yeah i thought yeah. it was everyone loved it but me i just it jarred me yeah. <laughs> was it? So I, I can see that yeah the music yeah. was scary mm. very german <laughs> <laughs> yeah the two writing ones we have we start with adapted screenplay again all quiet on the western front we have Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living. Um, we have Top Gun Maverick and here, Women Talking, Sarah Pauly. It was so nice to see the Academy nominate five really good scripts and not choose a very bad one with the whale. So it was very no. nice to see that no. that no. the narrative uh, for the whale is Top done Gun, really? in this category. Top Gun is a horrible, horrible Domination. It's a heck of a lot better than, in Nobody my opinion, cares about your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I was brought on here just like you. I was first build. Remember that. <laughs> might have to retake that intro. No, I'm just kidding. I know we might have to redo the intro just to mess it up. But no, but I, I do think that for a long time we thought that women talking was vulnerable here in this spot. And a lot of people were then predicting the whale because of the PGA nomination and it's, and then, you know, it's it doing well, you know, especially with Hong Chow getting in alongside Brendan Fraser, that that was the potential for that movie to, to pounce in and, uh, and, um, you know, devour the competition here in this category. Um, but women talking was, it feels like that's always been the placeholder for it. It's, it's, you know, we'll talk about it being in best picture later, but it, it is, it's looking good for that film. Though, keep an eye on maybe all quite on the Western front. Of course, screenplay spoiler, too. Any Shigeru for living. I think that has mm-hmm. a lot of love. Yeah, that too. Obviously, Ryan Johnson, once again, being the lone nominee for this really was his, knives um, out part two. <laughs> it really was whether he wants to call in it knives out two or not. Way. He really performed with the yep. other way. <laughs> Um, but still a great nomination deserving. And and listen, I'm not going to begrudge the Top Gun Maverick um, screenplay. I think it's really good. I think it's really poignant. And I think that also, too, it's what carries the film for me over the top because of the fact that that movie was, if you read behind the scenes, having a lot of production problems. They brought in Christopher McQuarrie to fix the script. And I think that that's what's really resonated, not just with 
audiences, but with voters. Well, I'll give well. you that it is a pretty, in a way, a brilliant script that brought this <laughs> cough, cough from Eric there <laughs> that brought <Sorry>. this. <laughs> That was an After so many decades, um, was able to find both the old audience and a new audience. So I'll give it that. But um, I was still a bit surprised to find it here. But moving on mm. to original, there we have Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inisherin, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Östlund for Triangle of Sadness. This was I missed. Mm-hmm. Aftersun. I missed Aftersun so much. Charlotte Wells. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got I got this five because I switched out Aftersun for Triangle because if I was going to predict it in Best Picture, I had to make things make more sense. So this is a pretty yeah. easy five. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of walked in with four and figuring out which is which of those two films, Aftersun or Triangle Sadness, was going to be. Uh, the little darling that gets in at the, the the final spot, and yeah, I think that this is this is a very strong category. This might be one of the strongest original screenplay categories we've had in a very well. Long and time. it's also the exact same five as best director, and those directors wrote these. That's the first time that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. spoiler alert, <laughs> that's fine. We haven't no, done no, director yet. <laughs> Oh, Oslin's also the first. Um, I gotta put this in my in my stat thing. He's the <laughs> the first Swedish writer in this category uh, that is not Ingmar Bergman. Right. <laughs> really. But one thing is not like the other, though. Well, one is alive and one is not. Come. So the- one is a legend and one is Ruben Oslin. You know what I mean? So I, I guess he should have written Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he should have. He would have. Yeah, I want to see. Would have made a lot more money at the box office. (laughs) Yeah, but then he is the next movie he's making is on a plane. (laughs) Yes, it is. So you'll get something like it. But get your barf bags ready. Let's go. Gimmick that doesn't stick the landing. (laughs) Oh, that's my opinion. Yeah, she said it, and I agree. (laughs) Best supporting actor: Brendan Gleeson. The Banshees of Nisharan, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keegan for The Banshees of Nisharan, and Kihu Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. This was not as easy to predict. What say you? Yeah. I mean, I was I was I was I wasn't shocked with it was Brian my number Tyree six. Henry, to be honest with uh-huh. you. It was my number six too. I was like was really close, but because I thought they were gonna just be yeah, really gross course, and yeah. you know. Put Eddie Redmayne in there. <laughs> or I, I got Jared Leto. I thought <laughs> I had Brad Pitt um, for Babylon, um, thinking you know that that film would get the sort of nightmare alley bump that Eric put in my head. It was, um, it was, it was <laughs> obviously that, that could happen. Sort of close. And yeah, so it was, Pitt, it was close. Sure. Um, but yeah, but um, but yeah. Who'd have thought that Paul Dano is Jamie Dornan and I mean, or Katrina exactly. Bouse in this case, and 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 Judd Hirsch is he, Judy Dench. Eight minutes of um, screen time. Yeah, yeah, eight minutes of screen time. I mean, it is a wonderful scene. And Christina, you and I talked about it when we talked about the Fablemans. But Paul Dano's performance too. Like, what does the man have to do to get an Oscar nomination? He is so 
good in, in pretty much everything he does. And he gave two great performances this past year from the Fablemans and the Batman and and just not enough to get over the top. And it's it feels like one of those yet again for him where it's like, we like you, maybe another film down the road. And maybe they just didn't connect with the subtlety of it. But it was interesting that he connected at SAG but not with the Oscar nomination. That's that's so wild. This movie's trajectory with its Oscar nominees, as opposed to like where it's hit at the BAFTAs or where it has attended BAFTAs or SAG or Globes are all over the place. It is a wild trajectory. Well, also too, I mean, in the four acting categories, there's only four returning nominees. It's it's like unprecedented how many first timers this year has really across the board, but definitely in the acting categories. And I, we're going to talk about that and best actor, but I think this category, they like others were looking for somebody looking for somebody that they know. And Judd Hirsch also uh, broke Henry Fonda's nomination gap record. Uh, so it was 42 years. Oh, wow. Since, uh, <laughs> ordinary people. And an interesting scenario had like they both been in because Hirsch was, you know, low screen time and going up against a supporting co-star who had significantly more. And that could have happened again, but it did not. Well, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, We moved on to best music original song. Um, Diane Warren is back (laughs) with applause. What is this? Number 15? 14? 15? This is... 14. 14, yeah. <laughs> it's probably like number 1,000 for her at this point, for God's sakes. So glad I stuck Stop. with that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is ridiculous at this point. Just give her but one Ryan, so then she can want, just like... This, she has to be a part of this. She's like a talisman now. She's going to be there every year until our generation is over. Yes. <laughs> She's she's not even she's not even she's like even more than like the Meryl Streep at this point. Yeah, it's so sad. It's so but sad. This, this oh was an God. absolute yeah. like make or break year because she had just gotten her honorary. So this was going to let us know if the music branch was like, OK, we can stop. But they were done with they said, nope. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> Lady Gaga's also back with the Hold My Hand from Top Gun, Lift Me Up, a Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Rihanna, um, Natu Natu are from RRR, and This Is a Life from Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is just this is justice for American Utopia in 2020. Like this is this is of all the over nominations that you know predicting or or under predicting for everything everywhere this was the one i was like if there is a god in heaven to get david byrne nominated for an academy award please let it happen for this movie and it's such a interesting way that they did this song because the you know the way in which you know ryan lott wrote the music and wrote the first part of it and then burn listened to that and wrote the music for his part already after the fact and they layered it on top and it kind of fits the theme of the film this sort of multiverse universe layering but there's like this sweet sort of love song quality to it it's such a great uh, nomination. Mitski, hello and uh, and mitski That's too yes great yes, nomination here no it's yeah it's both it's both it's a this is a wonderful surprise 
to happen. And I cannot freaking wait to see this performed live. I cannot wait to see this performed live. No one really mm-hmm. likes Gaga or Rihanna songs, though, but we enjoy the performance. It's because but they we'll fall listen asleep to them 30 anyway. seconds in because they're so goddamn boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rihanna's going to have a, a big moment, too, because she's got the Super Bowl coming up and she has uh, and this Oscar nomination could really play into her favor to maybe take this one home. Oh, God, I uh, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm just saying, uh, hey, I, I will take any of those four if it's not really for applause because like, that movie doesn't ex- what's it called the movie doesn't exist oh, yes new body yeah. rumba new body rumba what i wanted but also too no chow papa, chow papa no taylor or Pinocchio. Swift. Well, well i mean that one christina no taylor swift that's okay yeah, yeah. she got, she got mm, shut out that twice. big to get she an oscar nomination for live action didn't yeah. make it for song sorry and the world spins around perfectly today <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's gonna take over for Diane Warren when Taylor Swift will be there. <laughs> she can borrow yeah. Diane's cats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, next year we may have the Thelma and Louise musical. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very triggered. <laughs> We're going over uh, the cliff. That's gonna be the best part. I yeah, want just, that song. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's the ballad the, uh, over the cliff? Hold yeah, my as they're hand falling down. as we go over the cliff. Yeah, hold there, my hand. That's where it should have worked. There you go. Lift I mean, me but, up over the cliff. But they're so cliff. busy working on it, they may not be able to come, as told them. Oh. <laughs> the last one. Yeah. Oh. No. oh, my God. All right. <laughs> so best documentary feature, um, All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. This worked out pretty well i had all of these i think no major snubs people were worrying me that all the beauty and the bloodshed and fire of love wouldn't be there i don't know why everyone started thinking of that but well i think people think that because this branch over the last couple years when you've had like a critic's choice or you've had critical consensus around a pick they sort of teeter off and and in the academy branch within you know they they do their own thing so they're a wild card or whatnot. But this year and last year, they have sort of kept with the consensus. Last year, that was Summer Assault that ended up winning. And the consensus is Fire Love, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. And those both made it in here. And that was very, um, very good for it. I mean, obviously, Navalny is very timely, too. All that breathes. I was surprised a little bit about House Made of Splinters, think, to be I honest. Think I think Dan predicted that, Dan Bear. I think so for for uh, our contributor over yeah. at Awards Watch, and um, yeah, and if if that's the one I missed, well, I mean, I'm yeah, fine. that that means I'm that Netflix that. missed with the Obama produced descendant, uh, descendant, which was yeah. a popular which really prediction, um, which which is also like I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first times they've missed this, the category. This, this is the category um, that that they, got them their first win that got. Netflix, their first yeah, for American Factory. No, Icarus. Yeah. yeah oh, Icarus. I'm first, sorry. And then yeah, from then, it's it kind of like steamrolled. Well, in this next category, it may get them Netflix their first win here for best animated feature with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. There we also have Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Perfect category. Perfect category. No notes. 
no notes. It 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 is. I had predicted uh my father's dragon because it was cartoon saloon, but uh which is also Netflix, Sea Beast also Netflix, much better film. And I had Wendell and Wild other than Sea Beast uh, also first. Netflix. Yep. <laughs> I thought I had Sea Beast at six. And and I put the stupid dragon movie in because you, like, you guys made a fault. good cartoon. I know mm-hmm. it was your fault because I was like, man, that could get, they got that CB stuff out early and they got it in, in front of people. And it was in, I just was like, the hell's the CBs? And, and then I Very watched it. It was good. It's really good. And so, but man, like good for Marcel, the show with shoes on being one of, I believe the first to ever feature yeah, live they had action to fight to get into this category. Um, didn't they? Live action characters inside an animated film, and they over they got over the hump that was yep. the Lego Movie, um, but uh, and also like Puss in Boots, which is oh just like God. a masterpiece. Uh, the the, the last watch, uh, but Pinocchio, this was its only nomination. That's surprising. And, but I still think it'll. I think it's gonna pretty. It should have had five at the least. Mm-hmm. The least it should have had five nominations. Yeah. We moved on to best makeup and hairstyling. Here we have again, All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Also pretty predictable, right? I, yeah. I don't think All Quiet was. I I was, I looked, I, Were you super shocked, shocked. By that? I looked back at history and war movies do not do well in makeup and hairstyling. They just don't. But I think they really... Voters really looked at this differently than just like a blood and guts dismemberment kind of makeup. And I think they were really, really moved and captivated by the mud and dirt and snow and everything. But wasn't it someone on um, the Lord's Watch? Because I actually wasn't so surprised that I heard someone on your show or read somewhere that someone has said just because of the mud and, and the whole mm-hmm. that was talking about that in particular, that this, this was mm-hmm. feeling like it could be something that would, that would be me when you're wrong. Me. It's I, Eric's I fault. And when you're not, yeah, it's exactly. But when I'm right now, you get it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, but no, uh, I, I, it just all the marketing material for the film displayed that sort of dirt clay, like, makeup all over Felix uh, Kemmerer's uh, lead character in the film. And if you are looking kind of just at that specifically, it is impeccable work. I am surprised that something like that got in there and Blonde didn't get in. Like three out of five. Because that is, this is, that's such showy makeup. And obviously we knew Elvis was going to get in there. Um, And the Batman and the whale for its prosthetics. So, Black Panther getting in here, it makes sense, but I thought it was more the yeah. vulnerable one. I yeah, no, I thought I'm, it was because of Blonde's yeah. showing us. You know what, what did I mean? you? So, which ones did you think um, it was going to be, Eric? I had I had the whale, Batman, Elvis, Blonde, in Amsterdam. It just it had oh, this yeah, like weird sneaky. Here's like a bad movie, but we really really like these period looks. Uh, so uh, yeah. There's always one that gets you <laughs> the category. Thank God we don't have to say Oscar nomination, Oscar nominated film Amsterdam this year, right? Like, good for that. I'm we not, did I'm it. Not sad about that, yeah. Best production design again, all quiet on the Western Front: Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. 
I kind of loved that because it was all alphabetical that this was almost always the first movie that either Riz Ahmed or Allison Williams said, and it just started getting almost kind of funny. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. And after like five or six, he was just like, all quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> I love this nomination. This is a good one, too. I have no notes here unless you guys have any. Well, it's good. Black Panther didn't get in, which I think a lot of people thought it would, myself included. Returning winner. Um, but yeah, the relationship with sequels this year was slightly mixed. Mixed. Yeah, I would say yeah. definitely mixed, um, you know, in specific categories. And I think that people were expecting Black Panther to do a lot better because it was returning a lot of its previous winners or nominees mm -hmm. but that does not just because one does not equal always the next no. and and this was definitely the case i think that it was a little shock it was a little shocking based off of the way that the morning was going that everything everywhere all at once did not get into this category because that is there's a lot of different set designs it's a lot of different worlds it's a lot of uh you know of things that are being built in that film and so i was kind of surprised that um i'm i'm honestly like surprised that avatar got in here and the, and the reason why is because like that movie is so cgi heavy that uh, for the branch to find the production design for it is there's I mean, actually more them. production because there's more physical production design in this than there was in the first the entire third act with the sinking thing that's like yeah. that's a real structure yeah. like yeah i guess not so. as big as titanic obviously but uh. yeah i just i just think an hour of that is like in the water and these and if you you know and you look at some of these sets or whatnot they're done in this giant like hangar bay <laughs> and so it's and so a lot of them aren't like fully built because the 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 visual effects uh flesh them out but it's it i'm not saying it's undeserving i'm just i'm, I'm surprised I'm, by it because they usually tend to go for the bigger structures or things that are more than the eye you know is manipulated with all right film editing there we have the Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Ryan, you were talking about. Oh, it's almost like it's your best picture top five. Almost. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, almost. Um, this is this is a huge. Um, it's huge that these top four, um, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Tar don't have. Uh, something that Top Gun Maverick has, which is that sound nomination. Um, this would be the year, though, because we're breaking history left and right and breaking trends. This would be the year to do that. 
Um, Top Gun isn't a, a very, very good, very well executed edited film for sure because of its action sequences. But you have obviously, <laughs> I think the opening of Elvis speaks for itself. Um, I think, you know, Banshees in Tar, these sort of meticulous slow burns of editing. And then, of course, everything everywhere all at once, you have the jumping back and forth and everything. That is. To be honest, of all these nominees, the most editing, I believe, is is everything everywhere all at once. And they do tend yeah. to award that. Yeah, the win. So, but also targeting in here. Hell yes. Hell <laughs> yes. I was so excited about this. And I was like, because Eric and I were talking about it all week. We were like, Tar's gonna get into cinematography or editing. It just kind of feels like that. We just yeah. don't know which one to predict. I ultimately didn't predict either one because I was I just it's my favorite movie of the year. I just didn't want to predict, you know good things to happen for myself today and uh and then when it got in here i was like i that was the first time i screamed all day i was like oh my god like what is happening so um the nomination is the win for it obviously but you know it's well it is always nice to see things like this and banshees get in because they are great examples of editing as a part of storytelling and and building tension and not simply cutting. Although here's a place where all quiet missed after absolutely dominating. Well, and here is a place where the yep. Fablemans miss a movie that it may not be like showing, but it is a movie with an entire sequence about yeah, freaking editing. I, I am. It's like, it's, it's so on the nose. Yeah, this is. I mean, that's like you know, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris getting costume design. Of course, it is. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. Shocked. It makes sense. Yeah, Brian, are you saying you're you're really leaning into a Top Gun Maverick Best Picture win? Are you? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying the the screenplay getting in there helps build oh, that God, narrative. If you totally want to go, go there. It. It really is. It's gonna. It's going to make the insufferable yeah. more insufferable. But I think that it's going to walk. I think it'll get sound. That's pretty easy. And this is a very tough category for it to win, even with the sound win, because you're talking about, you know, everything everywhere and Banshee said this performed very well. You're talking about Elvis, which is very showy, and even something like Tar. They have shown this Academy today. And every single body throughout this entire award season has shown that they like this movie and they're going to find a way to award it somehow. It is overperformed from everything in, at this point. We all thought that maybe it was just Field and Blanchett early in the season, and it's really become more than that. And I think that it's it's sneaky in some of these categories and can swift uh, votes away from something populist like top gun maverick but i think that it could win this category and maybe that's it and and that's okay it's okay if some of our films only win maybe one or two things it doesn't mean that it's going to win best picture all right cinematography again all quiet on the western front bardo for the first time um elvis empire of light and again tar florian hofmeister i love this category so much even the deacons of it all you know even, even, it's not although bad. I don't think he should be here, but he is mm-hmm. always going to be here. So that's fine. 
I mean, yeah, I, I, again, I, I, I love Tar's nomination because it's not the type of over the top showy cinematography. It's just really phenomenal framing. Um, Elvis, I love Elvis being here. Mandy Walker is only the third woman ever nominated in this category. Uh, I think the Bardo cinematography, they got ASC is a plus. I'm super excited to see that here too. Big snub for Top Gun though. The overwhelming winner uh, at during critic season, which was a surprise to everybody. But once it started, you you couldn't stop it. It won like a dozen things. It wasn't even just Top Gun too. If you look at this category, our top three best picture contenders did yeah. not make this lineup. And of the best director lineup, only one of the films in there made yeah. it in here as well with Tar. And again, I will reiterate, that is a sign of strength for a film like this. If it can carry something in like that and carry the a really good trifecta of editing, cinematography, and direction. I'm not predicting no, that as a win only one or anything, but it, all of those and it's the only one that and got all three. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, crazy. I mean, all. That's why when you saw this category when it unfolded, the when when it was going, I was like, oh, all quite on the Western fronts getting into director. Then at that point, because it just makes sense given cinematography it's and everything that's going crazy on. Crazy that it didn't. All right, visual effects. Again, all quiet on the Western fronts. Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, I mean, I had 13 lives getting in here, uh, but All Quiet is a great nomination and sort of like that, and even a little bit also like Top Gun. It's more like supporting visual effects that, lift a film rather than visual effects that are the film black panther getting in though after the first one missed is a choice yeah i mean well i, I you know maverick could pull it out i mean i think it's between the, the two of those films i mean it would be really sneaky if all quiet on the western front ended up winning that category um but i w- i was disappointed that something like nope didn't make it into this oh, so lineup. I think that that is that is such. I'm, I'm just disappointed in general the fact that that movie and Jordan and Pills, that Hoyt didn't get cinematography. Yes, talk about a. I mean, it, take out Deacons and put in Hoyt. Yeah, but take out Deacons and put yeah. in Hoyt Van Hoytman and and who will probably get nominated. Well, we say next that year every year for. Well, he is working on Oppenheimer, so that's that's that kind of he helps to be in a stronger favor, film. But, He's not the uh, type of cinematographer that can just get in on his own. Not yet, no. Um, but but yeah, I I I think it's Avatar or Top Gun, but with me leaning definitely more towards Avatar. Um, <laughs> don't give me that. Why look. Top Gun don't give me that look, Eric. Because of the fact that I don't know, they might love the movie more. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm but saying a potential sport. I'm saying Avatar is going to win at this point. 
I can't even no, give it all. You can't. Look at the, see the kind what, of what, abuse what, I what get every single chaos day? for when there isn't it. There's plenty of chaos. In there. I love chaos. Don't you love chaos? Uh, yeah. What are you talking about? All right, best actor. Here's one of the ones that I actually had predicted all of these, so this wasn't much yeah. a surprise. But Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell, The Banshees, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Meskel, Yay, After Sun, and Bill Nye Living. That made me so happy with Paul Meskel. Extremely, extremely. <laughs> Extremely happy that Paul Mescal got in because this was a pretty solid locked four. Uh, those those four had gotten everything, so it was they were pretty easy to predict. And you know we were looking at who that on that bubble for the fifth was going to be, and the threat of that eighty eight year best actor stat was staring at us right in the face, and it blew up. Thank. God, I am so happy that we do not have Tom Cruise in this category. It's not even funny. <laughs> or, you know, Hugh Jackman or Tom Hanks. Yeah, well, Hugh Jackman for that movie would have been. Eric's so distraught about Hugh Jackman today. I, I, really I, I am, but for totally different reasons, Ryan. <laughs> no, I, I, I never thought Tom Cruise was going to be a thing. And I think that that was an internet thing also pushed by people that that are in higher places that know better than that. And, and to be honest with you, it, it's not also a performance that usually gets celebrated. I mean, if you're going like, let's use this as an example. If a movie that's in the action genre was going to get a, a, a with a best picture nomination, that one had a best director nomination. Why didn't someone like Charlize Theron for Furiosa get nominated for Mad Max Fury Road? And she's a previous Oscar nominee and winner. You know what I mean? So these, I, you know, and, and that film was much more beloved by the Academy than something like Top Gun Maverick, clearly. So what I'll say is, is not every year is the same, but it is interesting that the pendulum swings from one year to another. We had all previous nominees last year. And we were trying to figure out who's going to be the one new person to get in there. And it was nobody. And now this year it's who's going to be the Oscar nominee to, you know, from, from previous ceremonies. And it was none of them. So it's it's really interesting to see the sort of pendulum swing. And probably next year, we'll just go back to being more hopeful. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a normal year. But this is what, Eric, 88 years, years of history being made. And it's wonderful. These are these are great things to talk about, these wonderful historic moments. Also, a movie that, like Paul Mescal in After Sun, a movie that I personally have seen Eric Anderson cry to in person. Um, well, and, and I join uh, you many times. And who hasn't? Eric and I talk. We cried to every movie this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys were like, you guys were like sponsored by doing? Kleenex for crap. I was, a, I was, I was a little <laughs> concerned when After Sun missed screenplay. Um, just because that really cool win at the National Society of Film Critics uh, for Charlotte Wells in Best Director. Not that it's a stat, but when a director wins there, there's usually at least one nomination at the Oscars somewhere. So that still holds. Thank goodness. But what do we make of this? It feels like that the whale got less than was expected. Does that mean Brendan Fraser's chances are a bit Less or um yeah, of course. It's I it's what it's been all along. Now though, it is a real race. 
Oh, it was a real I race beforehand, think, think and you much. didn't want to admit it. I, awards watch the listeners out there. If you go back to last week's taping of the Awards Watch Who's podcast, you'll clearly hear Eric Anderson go back and say that it was a lock for best picture, and it therefore he was a lock. Yeah. And then it, and then got it didn't. Not, a, not even got, adapted screenplay. So, And I think it, that that's big because of the fact that it, it's a big deal because when it gets down to these voting bodies and it gets down to um, who they're going to vote for and what movies they're going to see right at the last second or movies that they are going to put on for rewatches, they tend to lean more towards the films nominated for Best Picture unless you're a sweeper. And Brendan Fraser is not yet shown to be a sweeper but his narrative is so good and the speech he has given that's television was just i mean i mean it just feels like he has so much love true it but it was at critics choice and that did not and you talk about the golden globes having bad rating critics choice had like six hundred thousand people watching it now are all those voters going to go online i i don't know are they going to seek it out i don't know but clearly the screen, the screenplay branch did not go for the film overall. It did not go for in picture. It may just be a Brendan thing, or it might be Colin Farrell, or I think stronger would say that it's probably Austin Butler for for that film. And that's a good place to reward that film. And there are other places to award uh, Banshees of Inisherin. I know they don't always think like that, but sometimes they do think like that when it's well, in a and tight race. It's a very lopsided uh, viewpoint. For- within the Academy where a best actress winner doesn't require all of the things that a best actor winner does. And, you know, if we just had 88 years fall, I don't see why we can't have barely 10 years uh, fall in this category where a best actor winner doesn't have to be in a best picture nominee. What if he's just Jessica Chastain or Marion Cotillard or Meryl Streep and it's makeup and the acting win and that's it. Or according to Ryan, it'll be Tom Cruise, even if he's not nominated, he'll just. Oh, there you go. Get right in for Tom Cruise. Moving on to best actors, because I have some questions for you guys here. Um, the expected Kate Blanchett for Char, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Let's talk about the Riseborough campaign. What do well, you make of that? First of, first of all, I want to apologize to Eric, because on our last episode at Awards Watch, we went 30 minutes on Andrew Riceboro and I said, it doesn't matter about that. Like, who cares? Like, ugh. I was wrong, Eric. I, I, I accept my one time in my tenure with you as being <laughs> wrong. Um, but uh, but honestly, this I can't describe the words that I felt in the moment. I was shocked. I was perplexed. I've had a lot of conversations with people already this morning, the nuanced conversation, the confusion, the anger, the hurt, the, the the overall vibe of this nomination is a game changer in many ways, good. And in many ways, bad, in my opinion. And I think that from going forward, 
we don't know what the ramifications of a nomination like this or a campaign well, then, then, is. Then you, then, because we then it's not it's one or the other though. It can't it can't be both. We don't we it can no, definitely we don't be know both. if it's a game changer because yes. we don't know if this was a one off or not. It's a game changer yeah. this well, year course, for this sure year. in the race. But I mean, going forward, are we going to see more? targeted specifically well, basically she, her friends a bunch of celebrities campaigned for including kate blanchett in her golden glow speech this is a very yeah. very small movie and all of a sudden every celebrity out there the last couple of weeks has endorsed andrea riceborough for this and she got that's it. because francis fisher went to all of their houses at gunpoint and made <laughs> them vote <laughs> vote for it but that's that's the point is that it feels as if, though, something like this can occur. And yet Eric and I were talking about all season long about this being the potentially first time in Oscar history in this category that women of color were going to dominate mm-hmm. the field. Viola Davis, Daniel Deadwire, none of them gone. Detweiler, Nomiaki, if you wanted to you know, include that performance, even though she's well, gotten really Michelle no precursors, you could do that as well. because already going to get in and... Yeah, so it was going to look like Anna and then Anna da- and then Anna Darmus, you know what I mean, yes. being right there as well. It would have it would have put it over. No, it would have it would have put it over the top. You would have had Latino representation. You would have had um, white actresses. You would have Asian representation. And if Daniel Detweiler and Viola Davis, who Viola Davis at least made everything, Daniel Detweiler had made everything except Golden Globes. It was a foregone conclusion that the final spot was actually Michelle Williams or Daniel Detweiler by some people, or Viola Davis mm-hmm. was vulnerable. Um, I made the case that it felt weird not having Michelle Williams in that lineup because of the Fablemans being stronger in Best Picture, even though like clearly people were trying to make the case yeah, for supporting Yeah, it's really actors. funny that two of the top yeah. publications officially predicted Williams to get in supporting. How'd that turn out? And then she got... Yeah, and she got in exactly mm-hmm. where we thought she was. So... If she gets there, then clearly, unfortunately, it's one spot left open. And one would think, oh, the woman king, because it's been at least a little bit stronger than Till would get in. And Till has really only carried Daniel Detweiler, plus it's Viola Davis, for God's sakes. who's a four-time nominee, uh, one supporting actress for Fences. You think she'd get in? Instead, it, it is, is this strange grassroots campaign that is was only really done within the voting period she was not really on the circuit she has an indie spirit nomination to herself that's it but do you see an issue with the campaign itself or a misunderstanding i mean what's the difference between her friends I saying do. it and neon or netflix or anyone paying millions of dollars for a campaign because it feels as if you've for me, at least, it feels as if this isn't a luxury that someone that is not a person of color can have, but a, 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 but she clearly is able to to get. She's able to get this groundswell support within a two week voting period to the land voting, a nomination for a movie days. that made twenty mm-hmm. or five days or whatever, and and for a movie that made twenty seven thousand dollars. As opposed to movies that made millions that are backed by giant corporations that 
are with actresses that have prestige and everything around it that have been our overall better awards players all season. It is quite, it's, it's, it's both alarming and exciting because then the possibilities open up for anything. But at the same token, though, it feels as if it was bought. It feels a little tainted, at least in my opinion. I know people are going to be different. No, but I just think some people will say that everything is bought. No, that's true. But also, where's the goalposts continue to keep getting moved for women of color, particularly black actresses in this category who have who have won it once and never get multiple nominations in this category for different actresses, let alone get one, you know? Eric, anything to add? Um. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is weird. It's And normally in doing this, I'd be like super excited and super into it. This is exactly the kind of stuff that is fun about this process when you're on the outside of it. But there... It doesn't feel that way because, you know, people that keep calling it an organic uh, grassroots campaign, this that's not what this is like at all in any way. This isn't organic. It's not grassroots. This is top tier uh, at the top level. Um, and, you know, when somebody at the forefront of it makes a statement like, oh, Viola, Danielle, they're locked in. Put your vote for for Andrea instead. It's a, it's just such a, why phrase it that way? Why, why, why do that? Uh, I don't know. So it's, and you know, it ended up being like the 2012 director category when everybody just assumed Ben Affleck and Catherine Bigelow were getting in and that assumption led to a lack of votes. <laughs> it, it it goes back to if they, I, I think we've talked about this before, Eric and Christina, I think we've talked about this too, is that if there isn't enough passion for it, then they end up going for things that might be in their, either their favorites or they go for things that, are the most recent thing they've seen. And if they are going to screenings of two Leslie during critics choice and during the voting period, um, Demi Moore and Kate Winslet and Amy Adams are doing Q and A's. Uh, Ed Norton's doing TikToks, I guess about it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Then it's, it's clearly being pushed by not only just actors, but by the industry at large. And what's so weird about it is they didn't target SAG. They didn't target um, BAFTA. They didn't target Globe or Critics' Choice or anything like that, or even Indie Spirit. They specifically targeted the five days of the voting period. And that's where it's like, it was an it's extraordinarily like efficient campaign. Yeah, it was. It is. Has she commented? Yeah. Yeah, she did this morning. She did this morning to Variety. And and it's so it is really really funny how not that she's not been vocal but she's been such a tiny part of it she's just kind of like sitting back like Regina George in Mean Girls <laughs> at the, in the cafeteria hallway where everybody else is just scrambling around and doing all the the work it's freaking hilarious. Well, so interesting. Let's see what happens there. It feels like there could be a backlash to this. So moving on to director, here we have. 
five guys, six guys, <laughs> Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inisherin, <laughs> Daniel Kwan, um, Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Östlund for Triangle of Sadness. Yep, yep, yep. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I was disappointed after two years of female directors and to see no one here with the quality of movies that women have done this year i was disappointed i'm disappointed that decision to leave is nowhere in sight or park Chan-wook. yeah park Chan-wook, exactly gina prince bythewood was also someone to consider as well um you know obviously yeah what happened why not quite all quite on the western front here after everything why is he suddenly not getting directed? i i i mean eric correct me if i'm wrong but i, I believe that the reason why it is because we've seen this branch go for directors they sort of know rather than like newcomers a lot of the time built in body of work so they know more Ruben Oslin stuff and and Edward Berger this is sort of like his big sort of breakthrough and you know like even Hamaguchi had more films or was known more than 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 uh, Edward Berger or you know obviously Bong Joon-ho and and uh, Paolo Paukowski and yeah I think um, that's I think that's uh, a certain component Caron. to it but clearly there was a a timing and a movement that got the movie into, you know, nine other categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think just I think the name does help it though when you're talking about the director's branch. And you know, I am surprised that he got in uh, Ruben Oslin because of the I'm fact definitely that definitely not. You know, I I could ease. I, I can see and well I I'm I'm surprised because I could see that director branch. It felt like the, if there was a place to reward triangle sadness, uh, a nomination, it did feel very strong, much stronger in screenplay mm-hmm. than it did in this place. And all quite on the Western Front, while it landed its screenplay nomination, it, I, I felt more like that would be the more conventional pick for them to go towards. Yeah, and. Park Chan Wook, that movie doesn't direct itself. That is a movie. I'm shocked that that's not even an international. I don't understand what happened there. Yeah, that's a that's say. a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. Well, that's, I that's I think what I think what this did uh, is it it made the European Film Awards, the EFAs, even stronger than they were before, uh, because Ostland and Triangle mm. absolutely dominated that, and. Uh, yeah. like Vinterberg did as well. Uh, so that is the, that's the place to look at uh, for, for this category. And even when I said this, wrote this before, even though Triangle of Sadness is an English language film, it feels like a foreign language film. So it's still sort of, for I think a lot of voters covers that, it hits that. Uh, so this is more like a Yorgos Lanthimos nomination than yeah than what we've seen the last few years also continues the trend of can and having that foreign nominee come in there for can that lands in here um drive my car did that i believe well we had a pandemic here obviously but i think another round was supposed to be there as well um and yeah. of course parasite so we've had that yeah. sort of trend over the last couple of years as well too to give us a little inkling and obviously the palm door winner was triangle sadness so that kind of Helps it out there as well, but I, I am I'm with you, Christina. I I my heart goes out for for Sarah Polly. I thought that all season long she was going to be uh, in contention a, a, a hell of a lot more 
I know that, you know, there was also obviously like Baz Luhrmann and James Cameron and uh, SS Rajamouli and all these other directors that were thrown out there around. Um, but Sarah Pauly to me, like that movie is, is a beautiful film. And uh, I, I don't understand. I, United artists, someone over there is going to have to explain to me um, so there was what such happened. There's a weird release plan on yeah. that movie. The release, the TikToks, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> no, I agree. And but at least they got. We're gonna really quickly soon talk about that. It did win best or get best picture, which made me really happy. But is there anyone else in director that surprised you? Or the- I was really happy to see the Joseph Kaczynski predictions not happen. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> we were holding hands together yeah, on that. Where people, people saw the that prayer TVA circle nom and were like, "Let's go." <laughs> like he's exactly the I, um, type that doesn't make it make it <laughs> i was so excited um my heart was like beating when todd field's name came in because um i'm just you know i've been i i feel so validated by that film all season long of just getting through and and also to speaking with him it's such a technically precise film that's why i think you know it might have sort of taken the spot of being like the the indie director auteur sort of spot because that's a 95 92 page screenplay that he fleshes out to two hours and 40 minutes it's very meticulous very slow um and i'm just excited that they they went with something like that and then they went all the way with the Daniels, which is just batshit insane <laughs> insanity um, um, and super creative. But then also McDonough not getting snubbed. That was big because he had gotten snubbed before. Yeah, they see um, him as a screenwriter. You know, yeah. And then obviously Papa Spielberg getting in there. It's always nice, nice to see Papa Spielberg <laughs> in there. All right, so best picture, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. This is such a strong 10. Even I'm not like the biggest fan of Triangle of Sadness, and even like that's not, it's not as bad or worse or terrible as something like Don't Look Up last year. So... I mean, I, I I think that this might be one of the strongest best picture lineups. We have some big blockbusters here. Um, good mix with both Avatar and Top Gun and Elvis. And it's a very good mix. Well, it's interesting that um, PGA went for four sequels. And the Academy was like, hold on. We're good at two. I'm glad for that. Not that, not that you know, yeah. a sequel can't be a great movie, uh, and I would not have been upset to see Glass Onion here. Um, mm, that yeah, been good. But glad it, that I'm glad that they nominated Women Talking oh, over yeah. something like yes. The Whale. Well, you know? and the, you know the funny thing is that because they were going alphabetical and they they got to the end there, it was like everybody was hold like, on to okay, your seats. Yeah, it's The Whale. And then it wasn't. I was like, holy shit. Go, D.D. Gardner. <laughs> Francis McDormand. Yeah, can't I count screamed. Out, can't count out that that producing crew alongside it. And it really did a lot of heavy lifting because this movie had no PGA nomination, no individual acting. All it had. Zag really pushed this one forward. That's yeah. it. That's not happened before. This is. I mean, it was yeah. it was big from this. 
Yeah, it was big from the standpoint of that we thought that if SAG was going to push one of those other two, it was going to be to help Babylon over the top more than it was going to be to help maybe women talking, which would which was completely just, you know, decimated at BAFTA and everywhere else in between. So for it to get in, it it's a huge shock. It's a great nomination because that movie is fantastic. Um, but it was, I was, I, that was my other scream of the moment. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that they went for that because like Eric, to your point, the whale has become a, 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 a hit, um, at the box office and has done well. And that PGA nomination sort of leaned to a strength for it. And they just went, no, thanks, Darren Aronofsky. No, thanks. We say we're Rachel yeah. Weiss. You know what I mean? I missed decision to leave. There's a few other movies that didn't that we've talked about during the season, the mm. woman King, nothing. She said, Nope. Um, after sun again. Yes. After sun, um, white noise. Nice. I mean, there's a few things that didn't get in at all. I'm thinking that we probably thought would moon age daydream was one I thought would might get into documentary. Um, what are the biggest, are there any big snubs? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, individual pieces from things that got in elsewhere but you know it's impossible not to look at the fact that till nope woman king all got Saint zero Omer in international too right. yeah i know i wasn't but... think i had that like at 11 but i mean i mean looking at at these black led films and they just all got giant mm. zeros which is an internal problem that they're going to need to talk about also too it's about movies that connect and it's weird because you know nope is made by jordan peele and the movie was a success and the woman king was a success and a performance like daniel detweiler is highly celebrated um you know made a lot of critics lists won won critics prizes as well as well as her landing outside of globes landing everywhere else she needed to. And yet that film didn't land anywhere else either. So that's where her vulnerability was. But I mean, you know, I think of, you know, you talk about like Pinocchio landing only one nomination. That's kind of surprising. Bardo, not Bardo getting the, the cinematography, but not getting into international feature is kind of interesting. So that's, that's kind of, what we've heard the criticisms about that film, man, it's good to look at. But once the people start talking, um, you know, kind of thing. Um, Babylon, I was thinking would probably Babylon. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we didn't see things like Broker um, that was early and that was early in the season, but didn't ever have a, a chance. But yeah, Babylon make not making him. It just came well, out last week. So. I know, but they've had screeners for a while. Um you know, there's, uh, she said, I think was also the one where it was either going to get that screenplay or it wasn't going to get anything. And it, it's really falling yeah. apart. I mean, Descendants also too. And like we talked about in documentary, um, yeah, there, there were some, some wild swings, um, you know, other than Black Panther, really not seeing them go for any other Marvel film in a year where like they had four Marvel films, especially in like visual effects, continuing that sort of trend as well. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm also sad that the Academy, um, refused to nominate a cannibal. And so they didn't nominate Mark Rylance for bones and all like, that's the performance <laughs> we all deserve. Sully. Sully, man. I mean, come on. 
also that also not like crimes of the future not making it into makeup that kind of like i know that that was like an off the beaten path pick for a lot of people but uh it's such inspired makeup work and stuff like that it's little things really honestly like you know um even greg frazier's cinematography for like the the batman too there's little things that we all thought could have gotten in but just just didn't go over the oh janelle monet for glass onion too that's someone that again it was just ryan johnson he's the only one i guess making those movies nowadays you know yeah him and him alone (laughs) (laughs) all right your last comments uh for this uh, um talk today eric what give us your sort of last feel of this nomination process today well i mean i think we kind of went into this thinking that banshees and everything everywhere were top two and that's where the race uh is and it still is um i i think they both they both pretty much maxed out at the things that they needed and and i think for for everything everywhere it did even better i mean it missed a couple of things that it could have gotten but then it got things that were a little more unexpected so that's giving it broad branch support uh i didn't have anything getting double digits uh, and it barely did it got 11 and then a lot of things got you know seven eight nine yeah which is in it's it's interesting because it does signal a little bit of wealth spreading and i think that's going to happen with winners once we start breaking down like the best picture nominees because i think most things have a really good chance of winning at least one um but i i do think that uh i think everything everywhere has positioned itself extremely mm-hmm. well I, I wonderful. Any last words, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I agree with Eric. I think, um, you know, I went in not having any film get double digits and sort of was thinking that was incorrect. Uh, but obviously, you know, allowing surprises, allowing things to sort of unfold as they are and being a little bit more conservative actually did better this year, going more conservative um, with my nominations than last year, which was great. Um but I, I think that Eric's right. You know, everything, everywhere, all at once. You really can't call it an underdog anymore. It's not an underdog anymore. It's the front runner. And the thing about it is, 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 is it a front runner that can sustain close to like 90 days left until the Academy Awards can, or something along those lines, right around that time timeline? Can it sustain going from one South by Southwest to a, to the, you know, premiere uh, that it had to the Oscar night during South by Southwest, um, which is when the Oscars will be handed out. Can it carry that momentum all the way through? It's obviously very well beloved and everything, or will the think pieces, will the tossing and turning, will the Academy turn like they did last year? Will they, will we start seeing the anonymous ballots, whether you agree or disagree and think that they're crazy or not, will they start telling us a different story? Will they start telling us that they're going for this film or that film? Will someone make a speech that, that changes things? We don't know. We don't know. We're still in a very early stage. I think before we get to the final voting, but it's, it's definitely the front runner. Um, Banshees is right behind it. Honestly, it's those two. And I think that that's great. Yeah. And I, and I, and you know, 
I'm sad that it's not going to be the Fablements because I think that's a really wonderful film, but I think that it's got shot in director in other places. I think Tar's got a good spot. I think Avatar, Top Gun, Elvis, they've all got good spaces. I mean, we could possibly walk away with of like the nine or the 10 best picture winners or nominees, nine of them walk away with an Oscar. And I think that's pretty cool. I like it when they spread the wealth because there's not just one film in that dominates a year. I don't, I don't I like sweeps. sweeps. No, they're easy to predict. You love, love them sweeps. to predict, <laughs> but I think, yeah. but I love them. Be- but if it's between everything and Banshees, those two, I mean, that's a pretty terrific yeah, year. That's, you can't complain with either one of those films winning best picture, you know, when it comes down to it. Yeah. No, that, everything everywhere has the perfect convergence of being an underdog and a front runner. It is both power of the dog and Coda. It's both things. Yeah. Because the the thing that pushed Coda over the over the top was an enormous amount of sentimentality and uh, a very charming, engaging cast in person. Yeah, the narrative, the and everything, everywhere has cast, that. Yeah. yeah. In in mm-hmm. space, it has an enormous number of yeah. narratives. And I mean, yeah. And and, and one <laughs> one locked in yeah. winner. Well, yeah, one locked in winner. Most definitely the the front runner for SAG Ensemble. All eyes. I think really are on PGA to see what you know really happens there. But even yeah. then, we've seen P- there's no reason why win everything there. can't win PGA. It's a, <laughs> it's a massive success. And again, people are like Top Gun's going to win PGA and then it's going to win Picture. Well, I, I like, only I only say okay. that Eric because of the preferential ballot over there. That's the only reason why. But it's not the full Academy. And also, we've seen PGA get yeah. awarded to something in recent memory. Like in 1917, and then the academy changed their minds and go with Parasite. So, um, you know, I yes, but no, not. I'm I'm not okay. This is what I had to deal with every single day. Um, and uh, we started <laughs> rowing and we're going, we're going out, out rowing, <laughs> just like Banshee. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for this. It was so much fun. I know this is your one of your busiest days in the entire season, and thank you for spending this hour with me. Oh no, thank you for inviting myself and Eric on to do this. This is a- thank you, thank you for for inviting Ryan. I know it's kind of like a make a wish <laughs> thing, but. <laughs> This is and if, oh, if this is a make a wish, then this is definitely a last wish yeah. sort of thing for Eric. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, uh, guys, and I have to say to the listeners, you guys go into awardswatch.com. You have everything you need there um, from analysis to uh, every single detail you can get up from now up until the end of this season. And then again, starting next season. <laughs> and it does, starts no, right back no, up. I need, yeah. We need a rest. We need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> there will be none, <laughs> says your boss. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.